Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. We know series on purpose. And uh, I think the reasoning behind this is it coincides with Lent. So uh, Jesus had a purpose in his life of going to the cross. And so he's very focused on, on, on moving towards that. Uh, and so Lent is, a, is about purpose as well. It's about getting ready for Good Friday, preparing our hearts through the 40 days, moving with, with purpose. But I think the other issue, that reason we're, we're looking at purpose is that in a Western society which is, is over, has overwhelming amounts of wealth and, and opportunity, uh, one of the big things that people lack is purpose. So you go to a person who's struggling with a mental illness and often it comes down to a sense of purposelessness. And so it's a good time to, to think about, about purpose. And what, what is the purpose of our life and over the next couple of weeks we're going to look at purpose in family, purpose in friendship, purpose in interest, purpose in our neighbourhoods and then prepare ourselves for for Good Friday and so my challenge this morning is to talk about purpose in work. Now for some of you this is going to be familiar territory. We at Windsor Road have focused on on the importance of work and the theology of work uh, over the years now so we're recapping a few things but hopefully it'll be a a reminder and a, a refresher about what our attitude should be uh, to work. And the, the reason we have to keep pushing it is because work can seem purposeless. It, it can easily form into a, a sense of, of achieving nothing, of just putting food on the table and surviving. And uh, uh, some of us have the privilege of working in jobs where it's relatively easy to make a connection in theory between our work and purpose. So if you're a teacher, for example, you can say, well, my purpose is to help young people to to grow and develop, which is a a good thing. If you're in medicine, your your purpose is to to help people to be healthy. Uh, But in other professions, it gets a little bit more difficult and life can more easily, or your work can more easily feel purposeless. Uh, And I reckon at the moment, one of the most purposeless professions in Brisbane would be gardening to be a professional gardener and to, to mow a lawn uh, and before you can put the mower away, it needs mowing again. You know, you might have that feeling at home as well as you do your gardening uh, as well. But the fact is that no matter what you do, no matter how in theory purposeful your work is, you can fall into the trap of being purposeless in your work. And that is, is uh, what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, when we're talking about work as... Adele uh, did so well describing, we're talking about our front lines here, which is not just your paid employment, but wherever it is you engage with the world. And that could be in your family, that could be through a club you're involved in, that could be through a circle of friends. Uh, We'll put all those under the the broad heading of of work when I I mention work today. And uh, it's that front line concept of paid and unpaid work, full-time, part-time work that you that you are doing. Work can be purposeless or sense feel of being purposeless. But Christianity believes the Bible teaches there's at least three reasons why work has purpose. And uh, today we're going to focus on the book of Genesis and what it tells us about work. And some of these are, are very famous verses, but ones that we sometimes miss the significance relative to our work. So uh, in chapter 1, verse 26, 28, we read that we bear the image of the God 
who works. Uh, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, of course, there's a a dozen sermons in that uh, one verse, but we'll just focus on this idea of the image and the likeness. And you've probably heard that Christians teach, the Jews teach, the Judeo-Christian understanding is that human beings are in the image of God, created in the image of God. Now, on one level, that just relates to humans somehow look like God. They, they, they image him in some way, and there's books and books over centuries of sentences being written by what that means. But we've, in the last couple of centuries, we, we've had a, a bit of an insight into what God is saying here in this text about the nature of human beings through our growing understanding of statues in the ancient world and particularly in the ancient Middle East. And what would happen is that a king who had an empire would have statues placed at various points around his empire and they were said to be his image and likeness, the exact same words that are are here in Genesis. But their understanding was that the statue didn't just look like the king. And that's a pretty good beard, isn't it? But, uh, they, but it didn't just look like the king physically. But they were, the statues were his representative. They were imbued with sort of some of the life of the king. And you would in no way dishonour that statue. And every time you walk past that statue, you would recognise that it bears the authority of the king who is situated wherever he is, hundreds of kilometres away in a different city. But you honoured and respected that king, because it, that statue, because it carried the image and the likeness of the king. And get this, God says we bear the image and the likeness of him. We, we look like him in, in some way, and you can explore that, but, but the, what we want to focus on this morning is that there is a sense that we represent him in the world and we carry with him, carry with us, his authority to, to rule and to, to care for his creation. Now, you might be thinking automatically, hold on a minute, this idea that work and God go together might be a bit foreign to you. And certainly in the Greco-Roman understanding of gods, that is certainly the case. The, the Greco-Roman gods, the Herculeses and the Zeuses and the Jupiters, the last thing they would be caught doing is working. Yet, in contrast, in these opening verses of Genesis, the, more, the God is emphasising that he is a worker. God works, and he even works so hard that he has a day off a day of rest. God in the creation of the world is a project manager. God in the creation of the world is a chemist. God in the creation of the world is a physicist as he puts the planets in motion. God in the creation of the world is a geologist, a biologist, a gardener, an engineer. He works. And we are created in the image and likeness of the God who works. Throughout the 
New Old Testament, we see God, metaphors for God's work. Uh, it says he planted a garden in Genesis 2.8. God is a shepherd, that's work. And he is a potter in Jeremiah and numerous other places as well. And Jesus was a worker. Uh, we read in John 5.16, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, he was working on the Sabbath, so the Pharisees thought. The Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defence, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. Particular interest is this first instance of work, or the second instance of work, I guess, that, that God gets Adam and Adam to do, and that is the, the naming of the animals. Uh, he is to uh, name them. Now, God could have done that himself. In fact, God probably would have done a better job than Adam in naming the animals. But God, in his graciousness and in his recognition of the image of God in Adam, in his created being, he says, no, you name the animals. And in saying that, he is delegating authority. He's saying, you have the authority and the responsibility to name the animals. And so this idea is that Adam is, and us are joining in with God's work and his creative activity. So dwell on that for a moment. God is a worker. And you are created in his image and likeness. It may be, it may be that you never look more like your creator than when you're working. That's the, that's the Christian, that's the Judeo-Christian concept of how sacred work is and how important it is to human existence and being. So that's the first purpose in work. When we go to work, we bear the image and the likeness of our creator when we're doing our work. Second thing is that the second purpose of work is that in work we partner with what God is doing. So as we've We've already seen he, we partner with God in the, well, Adam partnered with God in the naming of the animals. But when we go to work, we partner with God in the work he is doing in the world. So if we have a look in chapter 2. Verses 15 to, to 19 to read a bit more, or 20, read a bit more about this. Um, Genesis 2, 15 to 20. The Lord took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That was the purpose. He put, he put them in the garden so that they would work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. The Lord said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever name called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all of the wild animals. And so we see two types of work there. One is the physical work, the, the gardening work. 
But the second is a, is a scientific, it's an intellectual type of work. It's what we call now taxonomy, the science of, of naming. And, and I think the, the idea is that these are just representative of the breadth of types of human work that God does and that we as his created beings do in his image and likeness. And so we partner with God in his work. And reformer Martin Luther was a big advocate of the understanding of, of faith and work. And he said, God is milking the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. That level of partnership. You know, God wants to provide for the world. He wants to provide milk for, for, for people to drink. How does he do that? Well, he, he creates the cow and he creates the milk in the cow, but he counts on the milkmaid as partner to milk the cow and to enable it to happen. Another place he says, the Lord answers the Lord's prayer through the baker. The Lord answers the Lord's prayer through the baker. How does he answer the Lord's prayer? Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God provides the wheat, but he counts on the baker, or he counts on the farmer to grow the wheat. He counts on the baker to, to bake the bread. He counts on the truck driver to drive it to the shop. He drives it, counts on the, on the checkout person to, to pay the money, and so on. You get the idea. When we work, we partner with God in his work in the world. That's the second reason. The third purpose that we see for work is that it is sacred work. It's a sacred activity. That's the purpose of it. It's, it's our part of our worship, a very significant part of our worship. We come to church and we sing songs. That's worship. But our work is just as sacred in God's sight. In Genesis 2.15, I read before, it said, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work, which is the Hebrew word abad, uh, and to take care of it, shamar, work, care. Sacred? Yeah. Well, that's more day-to-day -day type activity. But it's interesting in Numbers 3.18, where, or 3.8, where, where Moses is describing the work of the priests in the tabernacle, it says they were to take care Shema, same word, and for all of the furnishings in the tent of meeting, all of the sacred and special things there, fulfilling the obligations of the Israelites by doing the work, abad, of the tabernacle. Exactly the same words. So God uses the same words to describe the work of gardening as he does of tending in the tabernacle. It's only humans who've created this divide between the sacred and the secular. And it's only been in the last couple of centuries that we have really embraced this idea that some things are sacred. Church is sacred. Hymns are sacred. Uh, mission is sacred. Work, bah, that's secular. Uh, sport, that's secular. Uh, the arts, they're secular. It's somehow separate and lowly. This is a total distortion of God's creation. Total distortion. God makes no distinction between the work that is done in the tabernacle and the work that is done at the rubbish tip. God makes no distinction between the care that is shown of the equipment in the church, how we look after things in the church, and how we look after people in a hospital. Any distinction between the two is false. 
a false, sacred, secular divide. We still have the echoes of that in our church. If we still think that the work that the pastors do and the work that the missionaries do is somehow more sacred, somehow more special than the work that you do, you've created a sacred, secular divide. All work offered to God is sacred and an act of worship towards him when we do it with our eyes turned towards him. I remember hearing a sermon many years ago now about a, in a church where a, a, the preacher said that there's a man in our church is a, who is a brain surgeon and he teaches Sunday school. You think that's great. But what he said next was not so great. He said the teaching of the Sunday school is more important than his work as a brain surgeon. And we all nodded our head at the time. But now when I look back at it and think, no, that's not right. I don't think his work as a surgeon was more important than what he was doing as as teaching Sunday school, but they were all the same. It's all work. And if it's all work done with our eyes turned to God, it is all sacred and it is all worship, whether you're a brain surgeon or a Sunday school teacher or both. The purpose of work is to bear the image of the creator God. The purpose of work is to partner with God in his work in the world. The purpose of work is to offer sacred worship to God, no matter what type of work we are doing. So, to use the words of Mark Green, we don't sing, thank God it's Friday. We sing, thank God it's Monday. Because on Monday, you will get the chance to go to work. That's a different way of thinking, isn't it? On Monday, you get the chance to go to work. It is a privilege. And it, this attitude highlights to us, and, and understanding this theology of work highlights to us why unemployment is so destructive and why it hurts people so much. Not only do they not have the money to do the things they want to do, they're not fulfilling their created being. We are created to work. And if we don't work, we suffer. And so we can say, thank God it's Monday. Thank God I've got a job that I can go to, even if it is tedious or or difficult. Second thing we can do is that we see work as an adventure. If we are partnering with God in his work in the world, what more adventure could we possibly have than that? He is achieving his purposes of redemption through your work. He chooses to do that. doesn't have to, but he chooses to work with you. And so when you're going to work saying, thank God it's Monday, you go saying, I'm going into this workplace with God. God is right here alongside everything I do, involved in every decision I make, every sushi roll I make, every train station I stop at. God is at work through me. And finally, we need to recognise that our work is actually workship. It's uh, Cara Martin, an Australian theological, theologian, uh, has coined that phrase. It's not worship, it's, it's workship. And as we work, we are worshipping God. We don't just provide for our families when we work, we delight, we delight our Father in heaven because he is a worker as well. 
Dorothy Osayas was a, uh, an English woman in the, who was born in the, in the 19th century. She was a, a novelist and a playwright uh, and also a theologian. And she was one of the first ones to really rebirth this idea of, of the connection between faith and work. And she, say, she says this in a famous essay. How can anyone remain interested in a religion which seems to have no concern with nine-tenths of his life? So nine-tenths of our life is spelled on our front lines. It's only a, you know, less than a tenth is spent here in, in a building like this. Nine-tenths of our life is, is out there. The church's approach to an intelligent carpenter is usually confined to extorting, exhorting him to not be drunk and disorderly during his leisure hours and to come to church on Sundays. What the church should be telling him is this, that the very first demand that his religion makes upon him is that he should make good tables. As you head out to work on, on Monday, you, you might be working, walking into a very difficult place. The, the demands could be extraordinary. The, the people could be difficult. It could seem unrewarding. But be encouraged as you go into that workplace, realising that as you work, you bear the image and the likeness of your Father in heaven, that you partner with him in his work in the world. And everything you do in that workplace can be an act of worship to your Father in heaven. So your purpose as you head out tomorrow, make good tables. Let's pray. Lord, you are a worker God, and we, you are an amazing worker God. We look at this world that you've created with uh, amazement at how good you are at your work. And Lord, we thank you that we have been created in your, in your image with a, an inclination to work. Whether that be in, in paid employment or caring for grandkids or uh, volunteering at the tuck shop or... Uh, being a friend to someone in need. We pray, Lord, that we will be aware that when we work, we look like you. And that when we work, we are joining with you in partnership for what you're doing in the world. And when we work, we can offer it to you as worship that is pleasing to your heart because you are a worker too. Lord, help us to take these realities deep into our lives so that when we go to work on Monday, Lord, we will be your image and likeness. And all the work that we do will be for your glory. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing intergenerational and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.